you might not be the same skier you were before, like kind of stuff like that. So you're always like a little bit nervous that like, oh no, what if it doesn't work? There's nothing's for certain. So it's it was definitely like a, a stressful period of time. Excellence is about spin. And excellence is a requirement for your dream come true. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. Today, I talk with Ali Nullmayer, professional skier in the slalom category. Even though she's only 24, Ali already rode the elite athlete roller coaster after being severely injured in 2017, coming back in 2019, getting her best World Cup results early 2022 before a disappointing result at the 2022 Olympics. She explains how important it is for her to keep a good sport-life balance and a healthy relationship with her sport as she kept studying across her career to make sure ski isn't the only thing she can rely on for her future. Ali also talks about the importance to enjoy the small wins when your only goal is to be the best in the world. This quest for success started when she was 8 years old, chasing Joe Louis cookies in her first competitions. Um, at our club, my home club, Georgian Peaks, they had these um, Joe Louis races where you would race somebody else and then whoever won got a Joe Louis at the bottom. And I remember like, I didn't, I just don't love Joe Louis. They're not my favoriteest thing. So I would always like come down. And then if I won one, I'd like give it to my dad and he would eat it and he would love it. He probably had like, I don't know how many Joe Louis that day. So um, <laughs> that's like one of my first memories of kind of like skiing and just kind of competing, but also just like it being fun um, and like a family thing too. Cause I remember my family would come and watch or my siblings would be racing in it too. So yeah. Sweet. Sweet. How old uh, were you at that time? Um, I can't exactly remember. I was probably like maybe eight or yeah, maybe younger, but probably around like seven or eight. Okay. So were you uh, born and raised here in Toronto or in Ontario? Yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, my family moved to New Jersey when I was two weeks old for my dad's work, but we moved back when I was three and then, um, from then on, yeah, born and raised in Toronto. Okay, so that's where you started skiing, or I would assume uh, the ski hills just outside of Toronto. What is the, the closest place, or where's the, the place you uh, you first skied? Um, I first skied in the U.S., um, but again, I don't really remember that um, because I was pretty young. So yeah, I mostly grew up skiing at Georgian Peaks. It's about two hours um, north of Toronto in Collingwood. Um, and I know that's okay. where a lot of um, national team racers um, have also grown up. A couple are on the team with me now. So, um, yeah, it's a good spot to kind of get a, a start in ski racing and also just do it as a family sport, too. Okay, so was your, your family actually into skiing as well, practicing at like an elite or, or a high level? Uh, uh, well, high level? Um, yeah, well, my parents didn't start skiing until they were like mid thirties, I think. Um, so it was never something they did when they were younger. It was more, um, I have three siblings, so it was more something as, um, 
something in the winter to get us out and to be active. That's kind of why we started as a family. Um, so yeah, all, all my family skis, um, to different levels. My oldest sister, um, she coached little kids, um, like very, very little kids when she was uh, growing up. And then my other two siblings raced as well, but they kind of stopped. They quit around like just before they went to university. Okay. So when for you did uh, ski become, I would say, more competitive or did you have, was it because you trained where the the national team trains that you had some sort of uh, traction to to bring it to a higher level or what really was the the trigger that made you... uh, Or when was it that you realized that you you could make it more than just uh, skiing for fun or or skiing for uh, for Joe Louise? Yeah, I think, well, for me, I always just loved it. And I loved um, the challenge of skiing and how it was different every day. And um, like, no, no two days are similar because either the weather or the course, like it's always changing, which I think um, I found really um, like intriguing about the sport. And I remember when I was younger, I, um, skied up with some older kids for a year. And I think that's kind of when I started realizing that, um, you know, I, I was fast and I liked it and I was fast and I, I thought, well, like, well, maybe I want to keep going with this. Um, and then I'd say around 13 is when I, 13, 14 is when I started, um, really realizing that I had goals in the sport. Um, that's when I decided to go to a ski academy for high school. So that was kind of like a big moment for me where I decided like, this is something I really want to put time and effort into and I want to see how far I can go. So, um, yeah, around like eighth grade is kind of when I made that like more hardcore decision of like, okay, I'm going to commit a lot of time to this. Okay. Did you have any uh, role models, whether it be in in ski or other sport or just other type of uh, you know inspiration that uh, that helped you uh, helped you in this? Um. Yeah, I think like I never really had one specific person. I think I admired a lot of athletes um, for different reasons. I admired like also just um, a lot of my peers or my older siblings um, who who like went out and raced. My brother always went like a hundred percent and usually he ended up like crashing and hurting himself. But, um, it was always cool to see that like he was always like a hundred percent in it. Um, so yeah, I think there's not like one specific pro athlete that I necessarily looked up to, but I definitely, um, like I watched a lot of skiing when I was younger. Um, a lot of, uh, local athletes like Larissa Year Q and, um, Uh, those people kind of from the Collingwood, Ontario area. So they were really inspiring to me for sure. Um, And yeah, beyond that, I think just like even like my friends and like people a little bit older than me who I saw working hard and, and getting places. Okay. So when you were, uh, so when you were, say you mentioned 13, 14, when it kind of became more hardcore in terms of practice and competition, um, you still you, you go to school you're not yet a professional athlete how especially in ski how do you uh keep training you know, in the summer here in toronto there's no uh snow of course uh, but how do you, how do you manage to keep training all year long when it's not necessarily yet your your full-time occupation in a way um you mean now or back then both um yeah i mean i think now 
now I would definitely consider it like a, a full-time occupation, like yeah. working out and, and dry land takes up most of my day. And then there's mm. um, like the nutrition side, the sports psych side. So it really, it ends up taking up like a, a full-time job role in my life for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I think growing up and going to school, um, even I just graduated from, from college a few months ago and I still considered skiing, um, I guess like a career for me, but I also had school as well. So I guess juggling kind of those two things, um, was challenging, but also really rewarding. Um, it like, I don't know. I like having different things in my life going on too, not just skiing. So as much as I can and as much it is, as it is like a job for me, um, I like to try to like find free time to do, to study or to do things that I like or to learn new things or arts and crafts or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I read about you, that you, you kept studying even when you turned pro and, and reached new like world, uh, world cup levels. Uh, I think you went to Middlebury college, if I'm not mistaken. So is that Vermont? Yes, Vermont. Okay. Is there, uh, first of all, is there a reason why uh, you went there? Was it for the academics, for the sport or the combination of both? And uh, yeah, how, how do you manage to, because it's probably like a bachelor or something like that, plus uh, competing at the highest level. So how do you combine in a sense to full-time occupation when you turn like 18 or 19? Yeah. Um, well, I think for um, the first part of your question, the reason why I chose Middlebury yeah. was... Um, I did go to high school in Vermont as well. Um, and from my high school, there's, well, there's not too many ski academies in the East. Um, sorry, ski colleges in the East. And, and that kind of narrowed me down to a couple choices. And then why I chose Middlebury was a mixture of like the academics. Um, the, the culture on the ski team was very um, welcoming and team oriented, which is something that I wasn't used to like being on a national team. It's just a little bit more individualized, um, mm -hmm. which makes sense. But I kind of liked that team, um, like family atmosphere that, that Middlebury had. Um, and then also just the community of the school. It's a small school um, with not that many people. So I kind of like that vibe um, of just like knowing more people on campus and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of like juggling school and skiing, Like I said, I, I like to have, um, like different, I guess, passion or something on the side of skiing. Um, when I started at school, I was actually coming back from my ACL injuries. So I was skiing a lot, but not really performing how I wanted to. So that was hard mentally. So that was a big reason why I started at school and it helped me kind of, um, I would work hard and I would train and I would go to the hill or the gym But then I could come off the hill and completely shut that side off and like go to economics class or something like that. So um, I think at first it allowed me to kind of separate and um, not put so much pressure on myself as an athlete mm -hmm. because I had this other avenue and these other interests that I was exploring. Um, and then I think like I wasn't really at the World Cup level then. I was still kind of building. So I think by the time I graduated, it was definitely a bit more challenging because I was missing a lot of school and, and, um, I think I was able to juggle a little bit better, um, the demands and the pressures. So I didn't maybe need the school as much, but I still really liked it. And it was just kind of like, um, I guess not like a hobby, but like 
just kind of something to do. So I didn't come home and, and do nothing with my time. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It was definitely, it was really challenging, but it was very, very rewarding. And I'm, I'm definitely glad that I did it. Nice. So was it really also a personal choice in a sense, or did you have some sort of, I would say family pressure or, you know, external people just, you know, pushing you to keep studying in case, you know, things went wrong with, with skiing or did you just realize that, you know, it just was important to have uh, a diploma so that, you know, whatever happens, whether you do a 20 year career or if it stops overnight, then you'll have something to kind of fall back on. Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't have any pressure from my family to go to school. Um, I, I knew I always wanted to, like after I graduated high school, I knew I would go to school. I just didn't know when. And I think with my injury, it kind of moved that along. Um, because I needed, I needed something else in my life when I wasn't skiing. Um, but it was always like a choice that I wanted um, a little bit to have a backup so that when I do retire from skiing, um, I'll have something and I know I can feel a little more relaxed with my career knowing that um, something is there waiting for me. Um, mm -hmm. But then on the other side, I do think like I'm hoping to, I'm not sure yet what I'll do, but like gain some work experience maybe in the next few years, even while I'm skiing. Um, just because I think there's, there's so much I want to do in life. Um, and skiing is one of them, but it's not the only thing. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm really excited to commit a hundred percent to skiing, but also kind of like chip away at the, the academic work side so that I can, um, hopefully achieve something there as well. Sweet. So that's one of the types of questions that I usually ask more towards the end of the recording, but what will be your dream occupation or dream job or dream uh, um, I don't know, company when you, uh, when you stop skiing? And in what field, I would say, I think you, you graduated in economics, right? So was there like a, a major minor? What's, uh, what's going to be your area of expertise or anything you'd like to, to explore? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's also why I want to um, maybe do a couple like short internships in, in future summers or something to kind of experience different areas and see what I want to do. Um, but I think like just based off of what I studied in school, there's a couple areas. Um, I think like climate change economics is really interesting. So I don't know, maybe I go into something with climate change. That's obviously a, a big issue in, uh, in our sport as well. Um, something that's affecting us. So Uh, that that was really interesting. The classes that I took on that, um, and yeah, I'm I'm honestly not really sure. I don't have like a concrete answer for that. But hopefully, I'm hoping in the next few years I'll be able to get some experience and and figure that out a little bit more. Sweet, that was very nice, and you'll always have something to do, especially with those uh, those uh, fields that you just mentioned. <laughs> you'll always have uh, something fun you can do. Um, I'll go more in, into skiing because I have a few questions, of course, but I'm thinking while we talk about the, the mix of elite sport and studying, which is, yeah, in a sense, two full-time occupation, you're 24, right? Something like that, yes. 24. Do you feel you missed out on some, I would say, young adult stuff like partying and going out because you probably didn't have as much time as I would say the average person would have when you're 22, 24? So is that something that you sometimes think about or not really? Um, I would say not really like currently. No. Um, 
I did feel that way sometimes when I was younger um, and a little bit like in my first first few years at college because um, even though I was I was socializing and I was going to events, I was, um, you know, always cautious with drinking and um, trying to be smart about when the season was starting and my training and all that stuff. So even when I was um, like going out with the ski team or with friends at school, I was always like had skiing on my mind and, and wouldn't go out a lot of the nights or whatnot. So I think for a little bit, it it frustrated me because, you know, sometimes you just want to like go out and not care and and do whatever. Um, But I think like, I think if anything, like what COVID showed me was that I'm definitely a homebody and I, I like being at home. So I like socializing, but only for a certain amount of time. And I don't need to party and drink like every week or this or that. So I think that's kind of showed me that I'm pretty content, like where I am. And, um, I like training, I like feeling good. So right now I'm not, I don't regret or feel like I really missed out on, on too much. I know I, I missed maybe like the normal experience, but I don't know if I would, I know I wouldn't trade it for, for where I'm at now. No, that's good. And and it, I was not trying to kind of put you in a corner, but it's yeah. for the piece that, I, that I've interviewed. It's it's for them. It's the normal. It's to you know, grind it out every single day. And it, you're you're I don't know skiing maybe you know six or doing ski related stuff sixty hours a week. And for for any athlete, even when they're eighteen, it's it's just their normal day to day. So they they don't really miss on anything they just they they just achieve so much with their their passion and their sport that no there is no looking back or, or fomo for parties and and stuff like that um so, so going back more uh so into the ski part of your life um what is the first first mem first result or positive result that you remember being proud of uh whether it be when you started you know grinding it out at 13 14 um yeah what would be that first pride memory and and why uh was the, why is the one that comes to mind um yeah i think the first one that comes to mind is um the youth olympics i came second in the slalom event there and um i don't know how old i would have been maybe 15 16 um and i think that was important for me because it was one of my first like global, like international races. So, um, you know, I knew I, I had been racing the same group of people for a long period of time and, and I knew I was fast within that group, but I didn't really know how I stood. Um, there's a lot of really fast girls all over the world. So I didn't know where I stood, um, kind of globally. So that was just a really cool experience because it was a bit of a bigger event and, I felt like I was able to go and like really show what I could do and um, it ended up paying off. And, and that was kind of a moment where I was like, okay, like, um, like this is, this is really cool. Like I can, I can do this. I can be good at this. And um, yeah, kind of like motivated me to, to keep going. Sweet. So if I do the calculation, right, you were 15, 16, you said at the, the youth Olympics and also what I read and what you also talk about on your website is that you had an, pretty bad accident in October 2017 so if my math is right you were 17 so it's it's not uh not long after your kind of first uh proud moment so you were kind of in in your or 
about to reach your peak. Um, so I think you tore both ACLs and had like a another extra. It's I don't have the technical uh, words for for injuries, yeah. Uh, but yeah. And you had you came back only in a sense uh, January 2019, so almost a year and a half later, when you're uh, you know almost at the the top or or you know in in a great um, uh, growth of your career. So yeah, how does it feel? That, let's say the first 24 hours. And the next 18 months, in a sense, the, the the very short-term reaction of your body and your, your mental and all that. And then how do you stay motivated? You had school apart from that, but still, you know, it's it's your main goals that kind of fall apart for a year and a half. So, yeah, how the, how does does that go? Yeah. Um, I So, yeah, I tore my ACL meniscus in, in both of my knees. And it was pretty hard for me because it was um, after one of my best seasons and I won the overall... Um, Noram title, which gave me uh, a World Cup start in every event for the following season. Because um, normally how it works is you have to do like a time trial or there's a quota or there's coach's discretion. So it's not always for certain, but um, that was my spot and it couldn't be taken away from me or anything. So it's it's a very cool thing when you, when you win a Noram title. Um, so I was gearing up to start in every GS slalom world cup for that coming season. And I'd only started, I think one, um, at one world championship race before and everything else was not, um, that high of a level yet. So, um, yeah, getting injured like right before that season was like devastating for me because I had, I felt like I had everything I had worked for and it was right there. And then I think it was two days before the first race, um, is when it happened. So I, I honestly just couldn't believe it at first. I, I remember like, um, coming down, they took me down by sled and, um, I was in a lot of pain and then all of a sudden like the pain stopped and I was like, Oh, you know, maybe I think I'm okay now. And I remember telling, um, my coach at the time, I was like, I think everything's fine. Actually, like the pain stopped and they were like, Oh no, <laughs> like that's because your ACLs are just gone. There's nothing to feel anymore. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, was that <laughs> not, not even the painkillers or anything. It's just that there's nothing to, they were just fully, anymore. yeah, they were just fully torn. So I, I don't know, I guess the initial pain had worn off. And in that moment I felt a little bit better and I was like, Oh, things are going to be okay. But then, um, yeah, I had like MRIs and, and it showed that, um, they were torn and, and it was going to be like a long recovery. So yeah, definitely a lot of tears in that first day. I don't think I slept at all that night. Um, I tried to, I was getting a lot of, a lot of messages, a lot of support. So that was really nice. I was trying to respond to people. Um, but yeah, just kind of like dealing with that initial, initial shock of, um, everything I had worked for kind of just being over in a matter of like a second. Um, and then, yeah, like coming home and, and the next few months of rehab were definitely stressful. Like my family was amazing and they were super supportive and always trying to find things to do that I could do. Cause I was, um, wasn't really able to walk for a while until I got my range of motion back and, and the bruising went down and everything. So, um, yeah, just, I don't know. It, it was definitely a hard time, but, um, it, de it taught me a lot about, uh, hard work and just, you know, continuing like going at it every single day and, and making little improvements. And, um, even like 
right now I'm dealing with um, a little bit of a back issue and I think I'm able to better handle it because of the lessons I learned from that injury when I was younger and just how, you know, not every day is going to be awesome, but just keep working and it's, and it's going to get there. So it was, yeah, it was a long, it was a long uh, year and a half till I was back to racing world cup. And then even after um, I was back on snow, it was, it's almost like a two part rehab, like the off snow rehab. And then, um, the on snow rehab, which I, I wasn't really prepared. I kind of just thought I would get back on skis and everything would be fine and I would ski and whatever. But then it was like a whole nother like season almost of just getting back to being comfortable, not being scared, getting my uh, like race pace back, stuff like that. So I think it was just like a, it was just a long process and it was challenging, but I definitely learned a lot. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Yeah, and so you you specialized in the slalom, which, from what I know, which is not much. Um, this is one of the, the the disciplines in ski where you use or you you do the most turns, so you use your knees, you know, a lot. So you know, tearing both uh, uh, ACL, you know, probably takes even more recovery and training than any other activity. So yeah, how how do you um, you said the off snow and the on snow? Uh, how do you get back on your feet literally and did you lose some sort of confidence in your body in a sense, or did, were you like, did you have a coaching staff and doctors and all that to just you know, moving step by step? It, it took 15 or 16 months, but yeah, what was the, the actual process and how do you fight? I don't know that either that fear or, or anything that might come out of such a, a big injury. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there was a, a couple of things that went into it. I was definitely, it took me a while to get back to, um, to where I was at. I was definitely scared. Um, people, you know, would like say you like might not be the same skier you were before, like kind of stuff like that. So you're always like a little bit nervous that like, Oh no, what if it doesn't work? Like you just there's nothing's for certain so it's it was definitely like a, a stressful period of time um for me and um yeah I I don't know I think like <laughs> I kind of lost where I was going with that <laughs> I said well, the what was the question again trip training how do you how do you fight the fear to you know it happened once and it's a pretty bad injury so how do you oh, yeah. gain your confidence back in a sense yeah i think it did it took me a long time to to really be confident it took me even till like just two seasons ago it happened like five or six years ago now and it took me really until two seasons ago when i um had a better result on the world cup that i could stand in the start gate and be like okay, I like, I got this, which is kind of the feeling I had before I got injured, but it never was fully there um, for like even two, three seasons after the injury. So um, it was really cool to finally get that back. Um, but it did take a while and it took a lot of, um, I didn't really work with a sports psych before I got injured, but then that was something that um, as I got closer to getting back on snow, I noticed like I kind of would get like really nervous. I couldn't really sleep well at night. I was like, okay, I need to talk to someone about this. So then working with a sports psych was really important for me. Um, and that did a lot in terms of like calming the nerves and like building a toolbox to deal with. Cause I still, I still get scared sometimes. Um, I think 
most or a lot of athletes who have been injured probably feel the same. Um, and it's just kind of like dealing with that in those moments when, when they come. And so if it's not too personal, what, what do you, what is it that you talk about literally when you see a sports psychologist, do you really talk about, Hey, I'm, I'm visualizing myself at that door and here and there, or is it more like higher level type of stuff? Like, Hey, you just should believe in yourself. You just, you, you can do it, blah, blah, blah. Or yeah. What is it really that uh, I never did that? So I'm just yeah. curious to see details on how you, you build, uh, you build that confidence and how you fight in a sense, the, the fear. Yeah. Um, well, when I first started working with her, it was much, it was a lot of, um, yeah, dealing with nerves and just kind of trying to bring my heart rate down. because I would get very tense, very nervous, like even before a training run. So a lot of just like breathing and, um, like positive reinforcement, like, okay, I've, I've worked really hard in the gym. I'm really strong or I'm even stronger than I was before I got injured. Like that one always helped me because it, it made me feel like, you know, okay, like I got this, like I'm stronger than I was. I'm better than I was. Like, it's going to be fine. Um, now I'd say like, because I'm, I'm mostly over that fear or I don't know about over, but like, I'm, I'm pretty good at dealing with that. Um, we talk more about like performance related things and just um, like, pressures and how to deal with um like I can be very hard on myself and, and put a lot of expectations on myself so kind of trying to work around those and, and not being so harsh um on myself and and stuff like that it, it seems like well it definitely is a common theme amongst elite athletes that they are very hard on themselves and you have no choice if you want to you know if you're in the top 10 in the world and if you want to be the best um is that something you feel has an impact on you on the long run uh, or do you still manage to kind of you know, take that step back for once in a while and just you know enjoy the little victories of you know every day a good training a good practice a good you know, good competition and stuff like that yeah i think it's um i think it's like a double-edged sword i think being that hard on myself is part of what got me here today. But then I think um, it's also a little bit what's held me back from getting further uh, to a certain extent because, you know, I'm so, I can be so hard on myself. I, I go over every single turn and every single thing that I did and what I could have done better and all this stuff. And sometimes, sometimes that's really good to do. And I think sometimes, Um, for me, at least it can be too much and you just, sometimes it just doesn't work out and, and it just wasn't your day and you can't be too hard on yourself about that or it'll, it'll like destroy you for way too long than it should. You need to be able to bounce back a bit more. So I think it's like, it's a good trait to have, but I think it's also really important with that to be able to kind of, um, bounce back really quickly from, from that kind of, um, negative results or challenging day or whatever it is being able to take the small wins kind of like you said that's that's something i'm working on now even is trying to take those small wins and be happy with them and and build on those and when you say you don't want you know when you have something you're not happy about or something what is it that you do do you go back to studying like you said you kind of close the ski door and you open a book and just you know study economics or yeah what is it what is your i would say what is your secret if you have any um 
I well, I like to like talk to my family um, or like my boyfriend or something. I also just like to like sometimes I don't even like to talk to people. <laughs> I just like to watch like a a stupid Netflix show or something. Like just I don't know some like too hot to handle <laughs> or something like that just like requires no brain activity and I can just sit there and just like decompress for like an hour and like pretend like I'm not a skier I'm not like whatever and just kind of like allow myself that time to like kind of like calm down I guess in a way so that I can look at things more logically yeah yeah so that's that's one of the the, the thing that I also try to work on so As I mentioned, the, the podcast is really just a side gig or a pet project for me. I have a, a real job and my partner is actually in the same room as me right now. So it, it gave me an hour to uh, to decompress and do other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of when it becomes too much on your main occupation, it just takes your whole brain and for you also your all your body energy. Then sometimes you just need to take a step back and do stuff that have no not no impact, but you're, that you're not stressed about whether it's you know financially or where you're not, you don't look for performance, but you just want to enjoy a moment, whether it be watching too hot to handle or recording a podcast or just, you know, talking to a few friends and, and grabbing, grabbing a beer. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, so even more so on the sports side, you came back from your injury and you had what I think for now, or I believe are your, your best results in the, the World Cup. So you had a fifth then a sixth place uh, at the World Cup in January a year ago a year and a half ago right so fifth is it means at on that race you were the fifth best skier in the world uh, when you finish that what's your first reaction do you is your first reaction to say oh i'm fifth that's a good result or because you're an overachiever you're like oh there are four people uh, better than me so the next race i should be i should be uh, even higher what is your first reaction which i think says a lot about people <laughs> um yeah i think At first, I I was really excited and and like in skiing, I I was I think 19th after the first run, so you, I came down and then you sit in like the leader chair. So I sat there for a while and I was just getting like more and more excited and um and then yeah, kind of like what you said, like the first person beats you and you're like, oh man, like that was only like five one hundredths of a second like what could I have done and then the next person beats you and then like you're only half a second off third place so then like definitely I had I was so so excited but then I definitely had that other part of me that was like okay well you're only half a second off of like the the podium or something like that so mm -hmm. I there was definitely like two sides of me that day like one that was super excited and one that was like okay I, de I definitely want more and um I think Also, like that race, um, I hadn't really showed my my speed in a race until that race. So I felt kind of like relieved in a way because I was like, okay, like I can do it. Like I, I can be up here with these girls. Like um, so it was a little bit of like a release for me as well, like kind of like a weight lifted because I felt like mm -hmm. it was just like. I felt like I had done it. Like I, <laughs> like in my head, I was like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. And then when you finally do it, it's like, Ooh, okay, mm -hmm. thank you. Thank gosh. Yeah. And, and so when you reach that, like you said, it's less than a second uh, on a whatever two minute race or, or something like that. So w what is missing when you're there? You, it's easy to analyze a bad result or when we do something wrong, we're like, Oh, I know at that point, that's where I lost time. But are you able to analyze what, 
what went right on that race and what is missing to to make the extra step yeah for sure i mean definitely like i know like we analyze or i i personally analyze all my good races like similar to my bad races like no, not bad races but challenging races i guess yeah. um and and what i did well what i could have done better um what the other factors were like the the snow because that can can play a role depending on what your bib number is um how like uh how your skis felt like kind of stuff like that so um yeah i think there's like there's a lot to to go into it and yeah i don't, I don't know <laughs> And so what would you say in that case to to move from fifth to first? Uh, is it physical? Is it technical or tactical? Is it mental? Are you able to pinpoint like one thing or is it just a combination of uh, inseparable stuff that you cannot you know, split? Yeah. Um, personally, I think for me, a lot of um, a lot of it is mental, like just having the confidence and then also... I think sometimes I want it so bad that I almost hold myself back or I get so nervous that I, um, you know, won't like let it all go and just ski. So I think in those races that I did really well, I was able to just like, I kind of just said like, you know what, like whatever, like let's just ski and see what happens and, and focus on just the skiing, not the result, not whatever is going on in front behind whatever. Um, so that's really when I ski my best and when I have my best results is, when I'm not focused on the result at all. And I'm just mm. thinking about skiing and trying to make every single turn faster. And um, yeah, I think it's like, it, it's, I mean, I can always get better technically, but I think a big part of it is the mentality, especially in, in ski racing, because it's over so quickly. Okay. And so right after those two very good results at the World Cup, I think it's the 2020 Olympics. Is that a few weeks after? Mm. Um, you finished 21st or 20 20th um was it a disappointing result for you when you had much better result uh, before or much better result before uh were you able to analyze what was different because you were racing for a good spot instead of racing free in a sense uh with less pressure were you able to analyze uh, afterwards what uh what happened during those races yeah um yeah it was definitely a disappointing result for me because I, I did, I was kind of building coming into the Olympics and then, um, yeah, it was just kind of like a drop off. So that, that was very disappointing, but I think, um, after looking over all of it and just realizing that, um, it was, it was my first experience or my first Olympics. So it was my first experience there. Um, it meant a lot to me too, because I missed the one four years earlier because I was injured. Um, so that was really hard for me. So being at this Olympics in itself was like very special to me. And I think I underestimated um, the nerves that came with it because I felt really good. And then um, right, like maybe five, 10 people before I went out of the start gate, I thought I was going to like throw up and I was like, had to take a seat and like, focus on my breathing and and I like really panicked and I I don't I've like never had that um to that anywhere near that level before so I think it was just kind of a little bit underestimating what I was coming into and how much it meant to me and maybe 
trying to deal with some of those nerves before that moment in the start gate, um, which I didn't, I didn't do, um, because I didn't know they were there, but <laughs> now I know for, for bigger events, I maybe need to take some more time, even if I don't think I need it just to kind of, um, visualize myself, you know, in the start or in that moment, what I'm going to focus on. Um, and like, yeah, try to keep it to the skiing and, and not all the other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So that extra pressure, do you think it was due to, I don't know, the people around like the spectators or just purely the fact that it was the Olympics and it just kind of overwhelmed you? Um, I think it was mostly pressure that I was putting on myself and the fact that like a lot of the people I knew, um, especially at my college that don't normally follow the world cup, um, were like, Oh my gosh, we're going to watch you at the Olympics. This yeah. is so cool. So all of a sudden, like skiing isn't that popular in North America. So, I mean, it's, it's, a bummer sometimes, but it's also, I guess, a blessing in disguise because it's not like you're constantly having the spotlight on you. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like I had never had that before where, um, and I was skiing well coming into the Olympics. So it was kind of like I had pressure for myself. And then I knew all these people that don't normally watch were going to watch me. And it was probably the only time they were going to watch me. And then I don't know, just like a lot of, a lot of like, um, Yeah, I guess just like being on that big of a stage, I guess, even though I'm on the World Cup, I just had never felt it to that extent. Mm -hmm. Understood. So are you, well, of course you are aiming at the 2026 uh, Olympics. So is there a, an established official goal that you uh, you can put out there? Your official goal? For for that Olympics? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to medal and gold medal obviously um and that's something that i i will work towards um for the next three and a half years i guess three years um yeah until we're there is is that the, the silver lining in a sense is that what kind of drives you on a daily basis or do you see shorter term with all the world cups events uh that will be coming up for you know, the three years even before the those olympics yeah i think well i've I'd say one of my biggest goals, I mean, the Olympics is, is definitely a big goal, but um, almost like winning the World Cup would mean more to me as a skier than winning the Olympics um, because it's, it's like we do it um, every day and it's, it's, there's a bigger like field, the Olympics, you're only allowed like, I think four athletes per nation or something, but some nations like, Austria or Switzerland have eight really good girls that are normally there and normally can be in the mix, but in the Olympics, it's very, it's more limited. So it's mm -hmm. almost like, um, it's like a deeper field in a world cup than the Olympics for skiing. So I definitely focus like on, on the world cup season. And I think like, you know, even if I build those, like each season from now to the Olympics, like that'll be a good path. I don't think I need to focus Uh, specifically on on the next olympics just kind of getting ready for each season and and it'll come mm -hmm. okay, so when is the next uh, season come uh, starting what's the first uh, first event um we my first event is um a slalom race in levy finland and it's um in november i don't know the exact date but um yeah that's our that's our first race of the season and 
there's a GS race in October, but I, I don't, I won't be doing that one, but my teammates will be. So there's that race in Vermont, I think, uh, just after, before Tremblant. Will you be at this one? Um, I will be at the one in Vermont. Yes. Doing the slalom. Okay. Um, I don't okay. know about GS, but maybe, in, maybe in future years. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, because Laurence mentioned, Laurence Sajama mentioned last time I saw her at a coffee shop, she mentioned that there's that event in uh, in Vermont and it's a very nice hill. So I, I, I plan on going, so I might uh, oh, nice. see you. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Well, hopefully I'll be there. <laughs> okay. So I'll tell you before. Um, all right. A few closing questions. It's been, uh, uh, yeah, 45 minutes. I don't want to keep uh, you too long. If you had the opportunity to have two minutes with 10-year-old you, what would you... Uh, tell yourself so the today you to the 10 year old you and the 10 year old you to the today you oh that's a really good question um i think to my 10 year old self i would say um i mean i think in a lot of ways my 10 year old self has better perspective <laughs> than i do now sometimes <laughs> because i think uh you get so caught up in your own world and when you're 10 it's just yep. kind of like la, la, la. um but just yeah, like take things day by day, like have fun with it. Um, yeah, don't don't focus too much on the on the like far away goal. Just like work every day. Um, and yeah, I think my ten year old self to me now, honestly, probably just to like have fun and enjoy it and remember like why I started skiing and and like the Joe Louis race and and. Um, remember all those memories and it's not always so stressful and and it's just it's really just like a fun thing to do and i do love it so yeah and enjoying the journey a bit more yeah I, yeah uh, i relate to that with my personal stuff as well yeah um cool so where i mean are you active on social media and if yes uh where should uh our listeners uh follow you um yes i'm i'm mostly active on instagram it's uh ali nolmeyer um is is my name on instagram and um i also have a website it's nolmeyerracing.com and i do have a facebook page although i don't post much but that is also ali nolmeyer um yeah that's that's pretty much it for me cool nolmeyer where's the your family name from do you have origins from europe um yeah i think we're originally like way back from germany but then um my I don't know which grandparents, great, 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 something grandparents. Um, they moved to Norway um, and lived there for a while. And then, and then we came to Canada. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. The, the last two questions, which uh, I told you about before the, we started recording. These are the only two that I always ask. Uh, one is uh, if there was one person, a uh, Canadian athlete, uh, male, female, ski, not ski, whatever that you think uh, would be a good guest on the podcast, who would that person be? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think there's so many people, <laughs> Canadian, uh, right? Can, yeah, yeah, well, or not. I had a few that are not Canadian. It's just usually easier and it, it talks more to the listeners, but whoever, if you have any other, um, non-Canadian athlete, I'll, uh, I'll be happy to. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Obviously I think any of my teammates like, uh, Amelia smart. Um, and I think there's also some, like some cool stories. 
uh, with some athletes that I went to school with um, in the U.S. because they had like Eric Arvidsson. Um, he's a U.S. skier and he he was on the U.S. team before he came to uh, Middlebury and then uh, skied a lot of tech, but then graduated and got back onto the U.S. team and switched to speed back to speed skiing. So he kind of mm-hmm. has like a flip flop journey, which I think would be is a really interesting story. Um, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I'll try to reach out to them unless you, uh, unless you know them personally. Um, cool. And finally, um, I, uh, more personal questions. So I'm just like you're up north at your cottage right now. I'm, I'm trying to build what I call a, a museum of sports at my cottage up north of Montreal. And um, yeah, I always ask if there's any um, gear, not a ski, because it's, it's going to be hard to ship, but anything you have uh, in your drawers that you might uh, want to hand over for the to complement the the this the ski uh, ski or sport museum yeah for sure um what what kind of stuff do you have just so i can think of some ideas Actually, from laurent i have one of her skin suits oh, <laughs> that nice. she used one day she used she went on a on a, a race without her uh, shin guards yeah protection, <laughs> the, the protection that you have on your on your uh, legs yeah. and so they're like shapes of the 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 sticks uh that kind of burnt the the, the surface of the of the skin suit so that's interesting i have gloves t-shirts a few jerseys and stuff like that so whenever whatever you you think of um anyway not an obligation of course but anything you you might found and that you don't use anymore i'll uh i'll just add it to the yeah for sure music. no i have i have a ton of stuff it's all in toronto so i'll um look next time i'm there i think next week or something but um yes i will definitely contribute <laughs> awesome thank you thank you so much uh Adi, any last word no i don't think so thanks for having me Thanks. Thanks so much. It's a very interesting story you have. I wish you the best and I hope I'll see you in uh, Vermont in November, I think, after uh, yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let me or Lo know if you're coming and uh, yeah, we'll awesome. get a coffee or something. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Adi. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. If you're still here, it's probably because you liked the episode, right? So, if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes, you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life!